Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Hey, look in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. I feel like this is one of those scriptures. There are, there are several scriptures in the Bible that help illuminate all the other verses. And I really think this is one of them because trust in God is key. And the Bible is clear that when we trust God, he makes our paths straight. And I don't know how you feel in life. I feel like sometimes I know where I am and I feel like I know where I want to be. I want to be where God wants me to be, but I'm not sure how to get there. Have you ever felt that way before? It's almost as if, I don't know if you've ever been in a downtown area that you're not familiar with. And it seems like every street is a one-way street, but it's going the wrong way. Have you ever been through that? It's like, if you miss a turn in downtown New Orleans, you got to loop around to the causeway and just kind of start over. Come back. And sometimes I feel like that in my life. I, I want God's plan for my life. I know where I am. I know where I want to be, but I'm not sure how to get there. This verse tells us how to get there. He says, if you trust in the Lord. Now, he, here's the key word. The key word is all. Say all. all. If you trust in the Lord with all of your heart and then lean not on your own understanding. And here's probably the hardest thing. And submit to him in all of your ways. That's the tough one, because it's easy to fake trust in your heart. It's harder to fake submission in your ways, because everyone can see that. And isn't it interesting there how Solomon, who wrote this, really uses trust and submit to say the same thing. They, when it comes to God, they really mean this. You can't have trust without submission, and submission requires trust. So he says, the, the best way for God to make your path straight, for God to direct your life for what he wants for your life, is to trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, submit to him in all your ways. It says, and then he will make your path straight and direct you on the path that he has for you. And, and that's important because look, when we talk about trusting God today, we're not gonna say that, man, if you trust God, everything's gonna work out in your life. All right, just, man, everything's gonna be great and everything's gonna be comfortable and convenient. That's, it, it, no one that reads the Bible sees that at all. That's not what we're talking about. But when we're on the path that God has for us, there is peace and strength. And what I've decided in my life, kind of what I've realized, is some of the things that I thought I wanted are not as important as having peace and strength and maybe a time that's a little bit harder. And so the Bible says the way to get there is to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And the way to trust in God is to know the God that you trust. And so before we can trust in God, we have to be convinced that God is the God that the Bible says he is. And the Bible says that God is completely loving, completely wise, and completely powerful. And unless you believe that, you can't really trust him. But if that's true, if God is completely loving, that means he wants the best for us. He would never put us in a place that's bad for us that's harmful to us, that's not gonna end up well. God wants the best for us. 
If he's completely wise, it means he not only wants the best for us, he knows what's best for us. And he knows the path that we need to be in. And then the part that brings it all together, if he's completely powerful, he wants the best for us, he knows the best for us, and he can make it happen. And nothing can stop it. Come on, let's clap our hands for that. That's a good place to clap. So here's the deal. If we're convinced of that, it makes it easy to trust him. When we don't trust God is when we're not sure that one of those things is true. And to be honest, I'd be lying if I said sometimes, you know, I, I can fake the trust in my heart like I said, but sometimes my ways show that I'm not sure of one of those. Because God wants me to do one thing, I want to do another and I would never say, Lord, you don't really know the right thing. You don't know what's going on. I would never say that. But if he's telling me one thing and I do another, maybe I believe that. Or, or if I go this way, it's, Lord, I, I know you know, but I, you know, I, I trust myself. I trust my own strength right there. And so the key to God's plan in our life, which I believe is the key to peace and strength in our life, is to trust God. But we've got to believe those three things. And, and here's the thing to kind of let us off the hook a little, not off the hook, but it makes you feel a little better. That has been the struggle of humanity from the start. The very first sin came from a lack of trust in God. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 3, the very beginning of the Bible. In Genesis 1 and 2, God creates the world. It's perfect. He puts Adam and Eve in it. He kind of gives them an orientation Everything's great in chapters 1 and 2, and then we get to chapter 3. So let's look at this. Chapter 3, it says this. Verse 1 says, Now the serpent, that's Satan, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Then the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now, let's stop right here. The sin here is not eating a piece of fruit from a tree. That's not necessarily a terrible thing. Now, this does explain to us a little bit why Satan chose to tempt Eve rather than Adam, because no man would ever be tempted by fruit. No man has ever been tempted by fruit. Only a woman would be tempted by fruit. Now, had there been a donut tree, this story would have been about Adam. But there was no donut tree, all right? And it's so funny because Adam, you can tell at the end of the story, he's been there the whole time. He's just keeping his mouth shut and doing what he's told like a good husband, all right? That has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Except for this fact. I forgot about this. It's not about the tree and the eating and all that kind of thing. What Satan is going to tempt her to do is to, is to just change and tweak her trust in God. Look at what he says. Verse 4. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see what he did there? It's not even blatant. It's not, hey, turn your back on God. What he's saying is, are you sure about what God told you? Have you thought about it a little bit? Maybe you ought to think about yourself some. And what he's doing is just turning Eve's focus from literally at this point, complete trust in God, a God that created this world, placed him in it. 
and to start trusting anything else besides him. And look at what happened. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. So once again, the sin is not just the eating of the fruit. The sin comes from a lack of trust in God. You know, and, and here's where I think it comes from in another place. I want to look at a couple stories from this perspective. When Eve stopped seeing herself as anything outside of an extension of God to her world, she began to lose trust in God. Does that make sense? See, God had created this world, and he put Adam and Eve in it. And, and Genesis 1 and 2 make it clear that he created humanity in his image. He gave them dominion. He gave them some power. And basically what he says, I have created this world. Now I'm putting you here, and you are just an extension of me in that world. You are to represent my love, my power, my wisdom in this world. And everything you have is in me and from me and for me. And as long as they stayed in that spot, they were fine. But look at what, what Satan said. He says, if you'll do this, you will be like God. Does that sound familiar? What he's saying is, why be satisfied with this position? God wants to hold you down. You could be up here. And so now, not only are they not trusting God's provision, there's a little bit of not trusting God's character. God's trying to hold you back. I think one of the greatest lies in the world is God's trying to hold you back. And because here's what's interesting, and, and this is the exact same sin that the Bible says Satan committed. He wasn't satisfied with the position that God had placed him in. He wanted something better, and so he lost that trust. Now he's tempting Adam and Eve to do the same thing and not see themselves as just an extension of God in their world, but to start to find and fight for their own place and, and their own place in the world. And at that point, that's where they begin to lose trust. And here's what I think is so interesting. And, and honestly, there's several stories in the Bible that do this. In Satan's temptation, he never told a lie. What he said was true. In fact, it's the exact reason God didn't want them to eat from that tree. Because he knew if you know the difference between good and evil, it's going to mess everything up. Right now, all I want you to know is me. And everything he said was true. Here's what he didn't do. He didn't tell the whole truth. He says, when you eat that fruit, your eyes will be open. Here's all the good things will happen. You know what he didn't talk about? He didn't talk about sin entering in the world. He didn't talk about what's at the end of chapter 3 and the curses that would be on Adam and the curses that would be on Eve. And I've thought often, you know, it's, it's a quick story in the Bible, but it, it must have been one of the most emotional times when Adam and Eve went out in a field because their sons didn't come home and realized that one son was dead and another son had killed him. And I think in their minds, they went back to this moment. You know what? Satan didn't tell me about this. And Satan will do that in our lives. He'll say, why are you listening to God? Why are you obeying the Bible? Why are you going to church and listening to all that stuff? Don't you know that's only holding you back? You could have this, 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 and this. And that part may even be true. But what he doesn't say is it's also going to come with this, 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 and this. And what I found in my life is a lot of times the disappointment and frustration that I feel comes not from following God's plan. It comes from my own selfish agenda. 
Now, look, again, I'm not saying that when you follow God, everything's going to be great. When you follow God's plan, there's going to be pain. There's going to be hurt. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be all of those things. But I'm talking about that, dis- that disappointment, that frustration, that despair. What is the meaning of all this? Why is this all this happened to me? For me, that comes mostly from doing like Eve and trying to find my own place in the world. And look, again, I'm not, and I'm not talking about lack of ambition. Man, be as successful and be as great as you can be so God can use you in this world. But when we lose that fact that I think I am anything but an extension of God, a representative of God to those around me, when I feel that way, it's much more easier to trust him. Adam and Eve lost that idea. They lost trust in God. They lost the peace and strength that comes from walking in his way and nothing but sin and destruction followed it. They didn't trust in God with all their heart. They didn't submit to him in all their ways. And so they created a path that was anything but straight. And so I want to look at another story. That's Adam and Eve. We see how that one turns out. There's another story to me that is so similar but turns out a completely different way. And it's in Matthew 26. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 26. They're going to put it on the screen right here. Matthew 26 is another decision in a garden, but this time it's Jesus. And it's Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. I love this story because it's, it's an intimate portrayal of the son's conversation with the father. And nobody else was around. I'm sure he told somebody about it later, so they were able to write it down. And it's the night before his crucifixion. And he comes with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he leaves them and he goes off by himself. And look at what it says. Matthew 26. It says, going a little further, he fell, to, to his, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Now, stop right here. Here's what I think is interesting. Jesus goes by himself. One of the things that gives me comfort in hard times is to know that Jesus felt the same thing. Faced with crucifixion, faced with what tomorrow would hold. And I think that's one of the greatest things that we can face. One of the hardest is is thinking, what is tomorrow going to hold? Or maybe sometimes we know, and it's a hard thing to face. But faced with the crucifixion, what tomorrow was told, the Bible says he was so, it put so much pressure on him that he actually began to sweat drops of blood. You know what that tells me? It, it can be hard and not turn into sin. Even Jesus felt that pressure. He knows exactly what we feel when we're faced with that choice. And he says, Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. What was the cup? The cup was crucifixion. He was saying... Father, I don't want to do that tomorrow. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to die. He says, if it's possible, can you find another way? Now, here's one of the things, I, this is how I interpret it. He knew it was possible. He knew the Father could do anything that he wanted. Just a couple you know, chapters before this, he had told the disciples, with God, all things are possible. So he wasn't asking God, Lord, could you do this? Could you work something else out? He knew God could work something else out. What I think he was saying is, Lord, if it's possible for me to stay in your path and not walk through this, then that's what I want to do. But if it's not possible, God, I choose your path over anything else. Look at what he says. He said, if it's possible, 
May this cup be taken from me, but not as I will, but as you will. Isn't that interesting? That may be the greatest scripture on trust in the whole Bible. He's saying, Lord, Father, I want a miracle. Here's the hard part. But if the miracle is not in your plan for my life, I choose your plan for my life over the comfort of another plan. And that was a hard decision for him to make. But that's where trust is. And I think one of the reasons he made that is he understood he was an extension of the Father in this world. And anything outside of that was not acceptable to him. That's how he defined success. That's how he defined fulfillment in his life. Lord, the number one thing is I want to be an extension of your love and your grace and your mercy to this world. And if I can walk that road and not go through the cross, then I want to do it. But if I have to go through the cross, because I trust you with all of my heart, I'm not going to lean to my own understanding, which may say there may be another way. I will submit to you in all of my ways, even when it's painful and even when it hurts and even when I don't understand. And I will trust you to make my path straight. And that is what trust in God looks like. Trust in God is not trusting God that everything's going to work out great in our life. And man, it's just going to be awesome. And look, I say that. Pray for the miracle. Pray for the healing, pray for the financial breakthrough, pray for the relationship to get put back together. Whatever it is in your life, man, pray for that miracle. Believe, never stop believing for that miracle. But trust says, even if the miracle doesn't come, I am gonna, I, I, I'm going to follow you. And I think it's interesting how Solomon put that in there because you see the difference between Jesus and, and, and Adam and Eve. And I think one of the differences is Adam and Eve leaned on their own understanding. Human beings are geniuses at justifying their actions. I, mean, I don't know if you are. I am. I'm telling you, tonight I'll eat a whole pie. You know why? It's Sunday night. And everybody knows calories start over in the morning. Man, tomorrow I'm getting up early. I'm going to morning prayer. I'm going to hit the gym. I'm going to go run five miles. Man, I'll run that pie off. Don't, don't we do that in our mind? And then Monday morning, what do we do? Snooze. We start justifying it early. Our mind is still in a fog, and we can do calculus on how our schedule can still work out if we sleep eight more minutes and then do that three more times. We are geniuses at justifying our acts, at justifying why it's okay to do exactly the opposite of what God told us to do. And that's what Eve did. Eve looked at it and said, hold on, this makes sense. If I know between good and evil, I can serve God more. I'll be like God. God wants me to be like him. We're going to do, even though God had told him exactly what not to do. And it would have been so easy for Jesus to have just, why would I, you know, if I go to the cross, they're going to see me as weak. It's going to hurt. I could, you know, I could do a miracle. It would have been so easy for Jesus to lean on his own understanding, justify his actions, but in the process not trust God. And you see these two stories that turn out that are really the same. And I think all of us find us find ourselves in this place, but they turn out completely different. And so what does it look like to trust God? I want to give you four points here. We talked about why it's important to trust God. What does it look like to trust God? How do we know if we're doing it? I wrote down four things. The first one is this, those who trust God seek God. If we trust him, we'll seek him. 
if we're not seeking him, that means that we don't trust him. You know, I have people in my life, um, I have a lot of people in my life that know a lot of things that I don't know, because there's a lot of things that I don't know. 1980s music, um, 1970s and 80s NFL trivia, I'm your guy. (laughs) Outside of that, anything practical in your life, nobody ever calls me for anything, all right? But like when my air conditioner breaks down, there's a guy that I call. Why? Because I trust him. When I need to make a financial decision, there's a few people that, hey, what what do you think about this? Because my my car breaks down, something's wrong with my car. I put the hood up and look, that's what men are supposed to do. I don't have a clue what I'm looking at. But there's people that I call that I trust. If we're not seeking God out, that means we probably don't trust him with the answer to our life. Because we instinct, clap your hands for that. I don't know if somebody got convicted or they wanted their husband to hear it. I'm just kidding. See, we inevitably turn to the things that we trust, even if it's ridiculous. Have you ever been driving with somebody or you're riding and they're driving and you don't trust their driving? And what do you, you grab the little subway thing right there. Like that's going to make any difference, but it just makes you feel better about them running that stop sign. We instinctively turn to what we trust is going to make our lives better. For some of us, that's just hard work and our own strength. For some of us, that's a relationship. For some people, that's where it turns into drugs and alcohol and abusing those types of things. We turn to what we trust to help us get out of the mess that we're in. If we're not turning to Jesus Christ, that means that our trust is not in Jesus Christ. And so that's why it's important, not when there is an issue in our life, but in every moment of our life. You know, it's interesting how when something happens in our life that is beyond our control, we turn to God. But the rest of the time, a lot of times we don't. And look, that's a cycle. It goes all the way through the Bible. Everyone has done that. If we trust God, we'll seek him. And that's why it's so important to spend daily time, continual time, In God's word, the answers that we're seeking are all right here. The answers that we're seeking, they're in his presence. They're in prayer. And how do we know if we're trusting God? It's if we're seeking God. And I say this because the feelings may not always come with a trust. Trusting God doesn't mean that there's absolutely no fear. You see that even in Jesus. Trusting God doesn't mean that there's absolutely no anxiety. Or that there's, there's, I'll, I'll, I'll go this far. I don't think trusting God means that there's absolutely no anger. I think God can handle all that. It's what do you do with it? And if you're taking it, you still feel all that and say, Lord, I don't understand and I don't know why, but you know what, this morning I'm going to get up and get in your word. And and I'm not saying that God's then going to give us the exact answer. Here's exactly why this is happening. That may not happen, but there's a peace and a strength when it comes with seeking his face, spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, spending time in worship. The second thing is this, those who trust God seek God, but they also obey God. That's why he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart, submit to him in all your ways. If I'm not obeying the clear commands of God, then it shows that I really don't trust him. And again, I would never say it out loud, but if God says to do A and I don't do A and I do B, It means I either don't think he's all loving, he doesn't want the best for me, I don't think he's all wise, he doesn't know what's best for me, 
or I don't think he's all powerful. I'm not sure he can do the best for me. And I would never say it, but the truth is my ways have said it. My actions have said it. And so if I trust God, I will obey God. And once again, just like we're geniuses at uh, rationalizing, I think we're also really good at compartmentalizing. Lord, here's this part of my life. I have messed this up completely. Lord, I lay it at your feet and I trust you because it's terrible and I just need you to do something. Don't touch this over here. All right, I, I, got, I got this one handled and I got a plan and I really don't want your input. Is there anybody in your life you don't ask for their input because you really don't want to hear what they have to say? You know, you really don't want to do. That's why my kids, when I tell them to go clean their room, they never come to me and say, is it good enough? Are we finished yet? I got to go hunt them down and tell them to pick up the sock that was right in front of them. It's amazing how my oldest son, he started to work out. He's getting stronger, man. He was squatting, you know, something the other day. Can't pick up a sock. I don't understand the difference. Underwear are heavier than I thought they were, <laughs> evidently. But my, my, when they, do it, they don't seek me out, why? Because they don't want to hear what I have to say. And, and so sometimes we compartmentalize. Lord, I, I need you here. Man, we'll go to the altar and cry over this area. But don't touch this. This is completely different. That's not obedience. Trust him with all of your heart. Submit to him in all of your ways. And, and I'll say this, that begins with the clear commands of the Bible. You know, there are many times in the Bible it says it's God's will that. We don't have to pray about those. We don't need to know the Greek and what it actually means and all that. kind. Of, it means exactly what it, what it says. And so it begins with obeying the clear commands of the Bible. And so those who trust God, seek God. Secondly, those who trust God, obey God. And thirdly, those who trust God worship God, even when life is not turning out like we thought it would. And again, here's where I think it's important to understand. This doesn't mean no fear. This doesn't mean no sadness. This doesn't mean no anger and sometimes their anxiety. It's in the middle of all that. If we learn to trust God, then we can worship him. And, and there are so many verses in the Bible of people who go through something terrible, but yet they still continue to worship God. And that's, you know, again, continue to pray for the miracle and the breakthrough, but say, Lord, I trust you. I don't know why this is happening. Lord, I don't understand how this could ever turn out for my good. And, and look, we may never see how it turns out, but Lord, in the middle of this, you're still great. In the middle of this, Lord, you're still loving. Lord, in the middle of this, I, I trust you. I will follow you. Lord, I worship you. I will glorify you. And worshiping in hard times is, I think, one of the greatest signs that we have trust in God. Even if we don't maybe feel the trust on the inside. You know, one of the things that I try to tell myself and trying to tell my kids, life works out better when you do the things you wish you felt like doing. And it's amazing how when we do the things we wish we felt like doing, how sometimes the feelings will follow, but the actions have to come first. And I'll tell you this, worship is one of those actions. I think one of our first responses to tragedy, to hard times, to man, that person we always thought was gonna be with us and turns out they betrayed, whatever it is, our first response ought to be exactly what we say, you are good. 
you are never going to let me down. God, I don't understand it. It hurts. I, I, I can't stand it. But Lord, I love you and I trust you and I worship you. And, I, and you are just as powerful as you were before this happened. You are just as loving as you were before this happened. And again, I don't think God's going to give us the answer, but it's amazing how peace and strength come into our hearts in the middle of all that. So how do we know if we trust God? Come on, let's clap our hands one more time. If we seek him, if we obey him, if we worship him. And the last thing is this, we trust God if we serve. And I don't necessarily mean put on a red shirt and go out and do outreach. That's, that's great. I think that's important. But this goes back to what I said before. Jesus defined success in his life as being an extension of God to his world. What that means is his life wasn't about himself. It was all about others. When we, make, when we define success and fulfillment in our life, not as achieving my dreams, but as serving others, just the, those that God has put around me, it makes it, even when there's pain in my life, that shows that we're trusting him. Lord, I'm trusting you with my life because I haven't even made my life about me. Lord, where I end up, that's in your hands. I'll spend my time trying to lift others up. God, I'll trust you to lift me. But even in the middle of pain, even in the middle of tragedy, and we've seen so many people do this over the last few weeks. Lord, even when it hurts, even when it doesn't feel good, even when I'm not in the mood, God, I'm gonna serve those around me. And so here's what that means. The best thing that I can do for the world is to continually put my trust in God. Because that makes me a better husband to Roxanne. It makes me a better father to my four boys. It makes me a better friend to those around me. It makes me a better son. One of the signs of trust is, Lord, I trust you with my life. I'm gonna put my energy in helping others. And Lord, I will do everything I can, even when it doesn't further my agenda, even when it doesn't feel good, even when it's against kind of what I feel at the moment, Lord, I'm gonna spend my, whether it's a kind word or an action, I'm gonna make my life all about other people. And God, I'm gonna trust you with mine. I think that's one of the greatest signs of trusting. And, and so again, we may not always feel like we trust, but if we're seeking God, if we're obeying his word, if we're worshiping in the middle of pain, and if we're serving, we're making our life about others. That's a sign that we're beginning to trust God with all of our hearts, leaning not on our own understanding, submitting to him in all of our ways as best we can. And then here's the promise. He says, I will make your path straight. Then I will bring you to where I want you to be. And that's where you'll find the peace and strength that make life fulfilling and not chasing some of these other things. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.